you want to make sure that if you don't have a key employee or a child or somebody that's going to be taking over the business and you're looking to sell the business, that you actually know what it's worth. Not from Rain Associates Studio. This is Unsuitable on Tour, a management financial services podcast for entrepreneurs, tenured business leaders, and others who are ready to look beyond the suit and tie culture for meaningful, measurable results. I'm Doug Hauser. On this weekly podcast, thought leaders and business professionals break down complicated and mundane topics and give you the tips and insight you actually need to grow as a leader and help you organize and thrive. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss future episodes. And if you want access to even more information, show notes, and exclusive content, visit our website at www.raycpa.com podcast and sign up for our weekly podcast newsletter. So on today's episode of Unsuitable, while we're on tour, we're going to dive a little deeper into the world of practice ownership and the strategies available to help practice owners offset the high costs associated with building or expanding office space, purchasing equipment, and beyond. Ted Klimsack, a CPA and senior manager in Ray & Associates Medina office and specialist on the firm's tax team, is here to give us some tips to help you reduce your tax bill, maximize your wealth, and better manage your day-to-day operations. Welcome to Unsuitable, Ted. Thanks, Doug. Glad to be here. Thank you for making the the trek from Medina to, to Cleveland today. It was today. a long half an hour drive. Good to hear. So talk to us a little bit about practice growth and practice development and what it means as, as a practice, a medical practice looks to expand. What are some of the things that we try to do to, to help those folks? Sure. So there are a lot of things that you can do. Uh, one of those is if you do have a medical practice that's looking to expand their building or significantly expand their building or looking to uh, maybe purchase a new building or maybe they even purchased a building a couple years ago, but there hasn't been a lot of depreciation on that building to date. Uh, one of the things you can look at doing is a cost segregation study. Okay. So what a cost segregation study is, it's where you, you let's say you buy a building for a million dollars, just to throw a round number out there. Right. Ordinarily, you might depreciate that building over 40 years at straight line and, uh, you know, get one fortieth of that each year for the next 40 years. Right. Not that advantageous. Not that advantageous. But there is a cost segregation study out there where you can go and it breaks the building down into its components. So you can depreciate it a lot quicker and get your money back out of that building a lot quicker. So you might, they take a look at it and... They might, there might be five-year, seven-year, 15-year, 20-year property in there. And whatever the useful life of those assets are, you pull it out and it's depreciated over those lives. And uh, then the rest of the building is over 40 years and there's the savings. So you take advantage of accelerating the, some of those costs over a shorter period of time, you in, do. in essence. That's you fantastic. Do. And it's one of those things where uh, I've heard that if you have $500,000 or more you know, in the building might make sense to t- go ahead and take a look at that. Uh, anything less, it probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense. The savings isn't mm-hmm. substantial enough, but yeah. uh, definitely something to be aware of and to take a look at. Now, we're, we continue to see a lot more consolidation in in the practice area, medical practice area. Is that is that true, particularly with any any particular segment there, dental, medical? 
I know in the vet world, there, there's a lot of that going on. As, there as is well. a lot of consolidation. Uh, they're uh, constantly bigger, bigger firms, bigger practices, buying up smaller ones. I know in uh, our office, a lot of the smaller practices have pretty much gone away and they're, they're getting gobbled up by the, the bigger ones. And uh, it's just part goes with the territory that this time. Yeah. And how you structure those can be, have a, a big say in how, how you treat those obviously for tax purposes as an asset purchase, right? Then you can, you can depreciate those, uh, those assets over, over the useful life, right. uh, as you acquire them versus if you actually acquire the, the stock of the, the, the company. Yeah. So that, that's important again, to, to get with your, your advisor, definitely. right? Definitely talk. very important to, to talk to your advisor. Uh, they can make you aware of, and, and the most important thing is to talk to them before something happens. Obviously, after the fact, after it's been put <laughs> in motion, it's a lot more difficult to unwind some of that. But yeah, get them involved early and get them involved often, and you can uh, you can definitely reap the benefits from that. Yeah. Now, what about purchasing new equipment? There's uh, great, attractive interest rates right now for folks purchasing new equipment. So how, how can that uh, play into it as well in terms of taking advantage of, of the, the tax rules there? Yeah, interest rates are, are fantastic now and it's in, uh, depreciation is really aggressive. Mm -hmm. So there's a couple different things that are available right now. Uh, 179 and bonus depreciation or two where you can write off the cost of an asset in the first year, take the whole cost and for, for section 179 and bonus depreciation, those are just accelerated depreciation methods. Uh, think back to our first, the first thing we were talking about with a cost segregation study, where right. you're accelerating depreciation, you're getting a benefit in this first year or, or you know, quick, more quickly than you ordinarily would over the life of the asset. So where this might make sense is if you think you're going to be in a larger tax bracket this year, or if you think that if as long as you don't think you're going to be in a higher tax bracket in future sure. years to where you might want to postpone some of that and kick that can right. down the road uh most people if if I said I was going to give you $15,000 today or give you $15,000 over the next 7 years what would you take right take it today take it today <laughs> yeah you definitely take it today so obviously uh bonus depreciation 179 they can allow you to do that by writing off the cost of these assets in the first year getting a monster depreciation deduction and uh, and getting a lot of tax dollars back instead of over the life of of uh, the asset. But again, you want to do some planning with that and talk to your your professional. Talk to us about okay, what what limits might there be there? You know, different things like that. Do some planning exactly uh, with regard right. to that because you don't want to you don't want to have uh, the situation where you you wished after the fact that you had done planning and uh, now over the next seven years or so you you don't have that available and maybe those are more profitable years and you'd wish that you'd done a little bit more planning and uh, you could have saved a lot more money in the long run. But right. uh, section 179, I believe you can put up a little over a million dollars in the service and mm -hmm. write that off in the first year. We haven't had any clients that have, at least in our office, that have come close to that, putting a million dollars in the service. But obviously there's huge limits and then bonus, I don't even believe there is a limit on that, how right. much you can put in the service. Uh, there used to be a lot of differences between the two, between bonus and 179, but with some of the recent tax law changes, a lot of those have uh, gone away. There's a lot more similarities now, I think, than there used to be. Uh, before, if you recall, bonus depreciation used to be have to be on a brand new asset, right? whereas section 179 just could have been brand or new to you. 
Um, you could also use bonus depreciation to create a loss. And, uh, you know, there was a strategy where you could carry that loss back and recover money from prior years, but that, that's since gone away. So yeah. talk to your advisor and uh, they can definitely steer you in the right direction once they have a conversation with you and they know what your long-term plan for the business is. Yeah. So in, in your experience in dealing with those in our, our um, uh, dental practice areas, our, our vet practice areas, what, what other trends are you seeing uh, in, in, those, in those segments? I mean, we know there's a lot of consolidation. Um, anything else that, that you see coming down the pike here in 2020 and, and beyond um, in, in terms of trends there? Uh, go staying in line with what we were just talking about. Technology mm. is advancing a lot. Uh, it, the, the students coming out of school, you know, they're using the most high tech technology okay. in class and they kind of anticipate that they're going to be using that in practice. So if your equipment is older and, you know, you're not up with the times you, one might not attract the most, uh, talented individuals mm. to come to your practice. They want to use that equipment that they were trained on. Sure. And then aside from that you're not going to be as competitive out there. Right. You know? so, uh, patients demand that as well. They're, they're aware of, you know, the different things that are out there. And if but, they see one practice that's using it and one that's not, they're probably going to want to go to the more high-tech practice. Great so point. going along with that, uh, if you need to purchase equipment with some frequency year after year, uh, those, those Section 179 and bonus depreciation limits are available. And yeah. you can definitely put more money back in the practice or to work for you in other ways. And, and again, given the the low interest rates right now, if you look at the return on investment, I mean, in in theory, it's never been better. If you're convinced that you can certainly grow your practice and attract those those patients and, and do definitely. that type of thing. But like you said, too, it's it's all about uh, the culture that that creates within your, your, your business and your practice as well in terms of attracting talent, retaining talent. Um, you know, customers, all those types of things. It's all a part of it. Yeah. And those are one of the biggest trends that I think we see across all industries right now is it's just so hard to tr attract and retain quality people. Mm. And uh, the the medical and dental industries are, are no stranger to that as well. Yeah. It's not just a manufacturing issue. It's not just a, uh, you know, issue for, for non-service industries, but. Across the board. Across the board. Yeah. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about um, retirement savings. We have we see this across a lot of businesses as well, where your folks that are in the kind of the so-called baby boom generation, they've run their business or their practice, um, been successful, particularly had a good run over the last ten or twelve years post crisis, but now they're starting to think about what do I do? How do I have a liquidity event? How do I cash out? So, what kind of trends are you seeing seeing there? What what should people be thinking about? Yeah. So speaking about retirement, um, one of the nice things, if you're able to put away early and often is you have time on your side, you have time value money, you get to put that away. Hopefully it grows. Uh, I know what the market's been doing now. So, right. <laughs> but aside from that, if you have time on your side, you know, you, you put as much away as you can. If you have a dentist or doctor, it doesn't even have to be a medical professional, but if the, if someone's maxed out, uh, one of the uh, strategies that they could do is they could have their spouse work in the business, mm. you know, put them on payroll, have them put away uh, some money. And then at the same time, you're putting more away as a couple for retirement and your your nest egg is a lot bigger when it does come to retire. Right. 
So if they're making those maximum contributions to their retirement plan, there's there certainly are ways, again, through planning to try to increase those. Right. There are ways with planning where you can go ahead and, and put a lot more away for retirement just by getting your spouse involved in the business. And uh, I've seen that on a lot of dental practices where, you know, the, the dentist will be, you know, working with the patients and the spouse will be working in the office and, you know, making calls and making sure things run smoothly. So there's definitely a lot that can be done. Yeah. Uh, it's just a matter of knowing what's out there and what you can do. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the other big things we see when a business starts to transition is is knowledge transfer. So how does that, how do they, how do they accomplish that in the, you know, either uh, dental or, or vet practice or medical practice? I mean, is there, are there set formulas that, that when practices are transferred or absorbed by another area? I mean, what, what kind of thing do we see with, with that? Yeah. So you can have the situation where, you know, a doctor or dentist will bring in another doctor or dentist and they'll learn from them and they'll mm-hmm. kind of stay in the practice for a few years to make sure things are running and uh, there's a smooth transition. Obviously that's important because if you're buying the practice, then you want to make sure that, you know, the patients are comfortable with right. the new person coming in. You know, a lot of them have been patients for, for life potentially. And yeah. uh, you want to make sure they're well taken care of. And then the new person wants to make sure that they're buying a book of business that is going to be around. So that's sustainable. Sustainable. Yeah. Right. We've heard some of those horror stories where some maybe have walked in without as much due diligence and, and not had those relationships built, not had that knowledge transfer there and, um, you know, not really gotten everything that they, they thought they would get right in that, it in that situation. It goes back to doing your due diligence and having other people involved, right. And taking a look at, beyond the the financial results, certainly understanding those is a big part of it, as well as the tax situation, all of that as well. State and local tax risk. Do you see that cropping up uh, much as well when, when we're talking about, uh, you know, types of transfer events, things like that? I know that that, that occurs in, in some industries. Have, have you seen some of that? There can be some. And in staying with the state and local uh, tax idea of things, uh, there's a lot of things that are available to to doctors, dentists. It doesn't even have to be doctors and dentists. It, it really can be across all industries. But right. uh, there are things that are available like the Ohio Business Income Deduction where, you know, if you have an Ohio business, you can write off up to the first $250,000 of profit, mm-hmm. single or, or married filing joint. Uh, and it's and it's 125000 for the other filing statuses. But really what that does is if you have you're not going to pay tax on that first $250,000 of profit and uh, and anything above that first $250,000 would be taxed at a maximum rate of 3%. Right. Instead of the regular, let's call it 5% for Ohio. Yeah. So there's definitely some savings opportunities that are there and uh, and it's, it's definitely something that's been around for a while, but uh, not everyone might be aware of it. Some other people might not be aware Dr. Dennis Wise, let's say you have a S corporation. Sure. And, uh, you know, so it's a pastor entity. It's not going to pay its own tax. It's going to pass that through to the, to the individual and they're going to pay tax on their, on their individual income tax return. But what they might not be aware of is that if they're also getting a W-2 from that S corporation and they're a 20% or more owner in that S corporation, mm-hmm. their wages also get added back and they won't have any, uh, they won't have to pay tax on that or they'll pay tax at the lower rate if they're over the 250. Yeah. So, so again, it comes back to the planning and have those 
those conversations, make sure you structure it the right way. Right. If you structure it the right way, then you might be able to reduce, significantly reduce your Ohio withholding because instead of just getting it back, you know, at year end, yeah. you, you might be able to have more money in your pocket throughout the year, which I know a lot of uh, medical professionals, they'd rather have that throughout the year and have more money in their pocket to put back into their practice. Sure. Absolutely. Or take a nice vacation. Maybe not a cruise this time of the year, but. <laughs> right. Avoid the cruises, right? So, so what are we seeing? In, in ter- are, are we seeing a lot of this kind of aging out in 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 businesses? Uh, I mean, have you experienced uh, much of that as as the boomer generation, you know, nears that quote unquote historic retirement age? Yeah, it's definitely a concern. It's definitely a concern for pretty much all businesses because, as you said, a lot of the boomers are starting to age out, and they they may not have somebody else to go ahead and pass that pass the reins off to. Um, we've had a number of clients that have tried to get their kids involved in the business mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, with mixed results, you want to make sure that if you don't have, uh, somebody, a uh, key employee or a child or somebody that's going to be taking over the business and you're looking to sell the business that you actually know what it's worth. Right. Uh, a lot of times people, business owners, they have an inflated value of what they think the business is actually worth. Yep. We see you that know, it's frequently. Their, it's their baby. They've uh, they've poured their blood, sweat, and tears into it over the years, and you know that they, they think it's the value is way up here. But in reality, you know that's because they're the one that's working the business eighty yeah. hours a, a week, and 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 that's why it's so successful. But you take them out of the equation, is is there really sustainability there? Right. Maybe the answer is yes. Maybe no. But you know, you you definitely have to kind of make sure that they understand that and that. Uh, they're not dreaming about uh, something yeah. that's not going to come to reality. And that, that's why it goes back to, you know, our, our best practices. We tell folks um, whether or not we do it or, or not, uh, you know, get evaluation done every year or two. So you have some benchmark, some starting point, and you can identify the areas where you can increase the value of your business by, as you said, transferring that knowledge. Maybe it's caught up with one or two people at the top. Maybe you have risks in, in other areas, state and local tax risk. You know, you can do a risk assessment there, uh, different things like that that can help you increase that value so that you can transfer it and get get what you think, right? I mean, that's, we often hear these stories. You've got the friend at the club or whatever, and they say, <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm going to get eight or 10 times for for my my operation. That's not really the case. (laughs) So, you know, it, it, it all goes back to trying to counsel folks and, and providing more than just the product, just the, the tax return or the review or audit that we provide, but sitting down and having that conversation, you know, where where their business is at. In the conversation. I mean, obviously the product is something that's necessary. Uh, It's just compliance related, but it's, uh, the conversations that you have with your clients that really help shape, you know, the yeah. future where where their future is going to be. You talked about bringing in like the spouse. Do you find a lot of times uh, that you're able to bring in the the family to kind of have some of that dialogue? Because I would think that's that's important, obviously, right during those. It is, yeah. You want to make sure that everyone's on the same page. And uh, sometimes you'll have a conversation with a business owner, and they think that they're going to pass the the reins over to the kids and the kids are going to take the business and run with it. And then you have a conversation with the kids and the kids say, yeah, I don't want to work in that business or I don't want to work with, right. <laughs> with my family or my parents or whatever. Some love it. Some don't, it's not for everybody, but it's one of those things where you want to make sure that those conversations are happening so that everyone's on the same page. And, uh, 
Yeah, and it just makes things run a lot more smoothly. It it all goes back to that planning. I know I've I ran into one years ago where the similar story construction business, and he thought his son would take it over, and his son worked in the business, but he had no interest in running it. So then it was a, kind of a scramble to find somebody to to run it so that it would be sustainable and keep you know the family's financial well being intact and the company and the employees and all of that. But it can be challenging. You know, some of those soft conversations are are often more important. Uh, and it all, it all goes together with the tax planning, estate planning, retirement planning that, that you talked about. So um, that's where having all of the experts together is is so meaningful. So if, if we look ahead to 2020, what else, what other advice would you give to, to business owners in terms of, okay, if they're, if they're looking to grow their business, we're still running in a, in a good economy. Um, what are the other areas that they should be focused on, in, in your opinion, beyond looking at maybe cost seg or, or um, you know, equipment expansion, those types of things? Where, where are some hot, hot button areas? Yeah, so uh, this one's maybe not so much a tax or accounting issue, but just having somebody else on the checking account so that in the event oh. that there was an emergency that came up and maybe the the doctor or dentist was incapacitated for some reason, uh, that way the business can kind of continue and payroll can be made and vendors can get paid and uh, it just runs a lot more smoothly if, uh, if you have somebody else on the account. Now, if you have your spouse working in the business, hopefully you trust your spouse. And, right. Uh, they can be the person on the account. Otherwise, you do have to have a key employee that you trust. You are giving up some control and there is some risk there. Obviously, there, there can be fraud. There can be other issues with theft. But, but it, in the event that there was an unforeseen circumstance or emergency, it's nice to have somebody else in the account to, to continue the business. It's a great point. So, you know, you've got certainly to have the right controls in place. But if you've got uh, somebody else that can take the reins, so to speak, it, it, it all goes back to that whole concept of being able to transfer the knowledge, transfer the, the operation uh, of the business so that it's not solely reliant on, on that one person, right? You got it. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, great advice, Ted. Really appreciate your, your insight and uh, outlook and, and tips on, uh, you know, selling the practice and transferring uh, that and, and some things to, to increase value. So that's valuable insight. Uh, if you want more business tips and insight or to hear previous episodes of Unsuitable, visit our podcast page at www.raycpa.com slash podcast. And while you're there, sign up for our weekly podcast newsletter for exclusive content and show notes. Thanks for listening to this week's show. Be sure to subscribe to Unsuitable on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to us right now, including YouTube. I'm Doug Hauser. Join us next week for another unsuitable interview from an industry professional. The views expressed on Unsuitable on Ray Radio are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Ray and Associates. The podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to replace the professional advice you would receive elsewhere. Consult with a trusted advisor about your unique situation so they can expertly guide you to the best solution for your specific circumstance. 